Bike Karma Bicycle Stories podcast is brought to you with support from The Frame and Wheel, helping you turn your cycling items into cash without the hassle. And AD Bikes, the modern face of Ostra Daimler bicycles. Become bike, become AD Bikes. Episode 72. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. I'm your host, Tom Brown. The mission of the show is to just bring people together through sharing bicycle and cycling stories, lovingly edited and produced. It doesn't matter if you like to race, wrench, collect, or casually ride. It doesn't matter if you have a $20 bike or a $5,000 bike. If you've ever smiled while you were rolling around, you're in the right place. This time we go to Martha's Vineyard, where I stumble into a shop where the guy works on some pretty famous people's bikes. Then Taryn and I are going to take you to a bicycle swap meet. While you're going to hear about all kinds of bicycles today, one of the bikes that pops up at both locations are the infamous Schwinn Stingrays and Crate Bikes. These hot-rodded little bikes were made in America back in the day and struck a huge chord with kids across the country. But we're going to talk about some other stuff too. You have a kabillion trillion podcasts that you'd be listening to right now. But I love that you've come with me for a ride on mine. Let's roll out. You don't have to be famous to share a story on the show. In fact, some of my favorite stories might never be heard by a wider audience were it not for me happening to be lucky enough to be able to record that story. But I'm not going to lie, it would be exciting to have some celebrity bike stories on here as well, as I have had. Sometimes I get tantalizingly close to someone I'd really want to hear some bicycle stories from. I got within one person of Greg LeMond, and then that lead fizzled. I'm still hoping Coop might come through. But every once in a while, out of nowhere, I get pretty close to somebody really famous. Last year, we went up for the weekend, off-season, just for the weekend, to Martha's Vineyard for our anniversary. Of course, while we're walking around the towns, I'm checking out the bike shops. Liz would much rather have me check out a bike shop for a few minutes than drag her along on a ghost walk again. I love those historical ghost walks. And I stumble into the bike shop where ex-president Barack Obama gets his bike maintained. Now, apart from that, if you want to keep that position and others, you have to have discretion. So I don't blame the guy for not sharing any stories about Barack Obama's bike. I understand the sanctity of that relationship. Though I do secretly have my fingers crossed that maybe someday I'll get a call from Mr. Obama. Or Michelle. Or both. And he'll tell me some crazy times he had on his bike. But regardless, Phil had some really cool stories of his own from the Wheel Happy Bike Shop on Martha's Vineyard. This is a pretty interesting place, Martha's Vineyard. You see all kinds of houses, all kinds of people. What is your clientele like? Yeah, well, I, again, you're 100% right. I'm really lucky to have some infamous and maybe famous uh, clientele. Uh, David Letterman, we, we repair his bikes. Uh, Mr. Obama, we take care of his bikes. And there's some up and down, maybe shouldn't talk about people that are here and there, but uh, we used to do bikes for, uh, people probably wouldn't remember, um, Raul Dow's wife, whose daughter still lives here, Lucy Dow, and we take care of her bikes, but his, his wife was a famous actor, Patricia Neal. 
Um, so she's uh, used to live up on the street. And so we, we've had some, as I say, infamous and some famous. Kelly Clarkson's been here right after she won American Idol. She was here too, so that was fun. And all these people ride bikes. They ride bikes, man. It's the way you get around. We love your bikes up. Yeah, hi, this is Phil Hughes. I uh, own Wheel Happy Bike Shops in Egertown, Massachusetts on the island of Martha's Vineyard. A lot of houses here that go back quite a long time and you have people bringing bicycles out of the woodwork to you occasionally. You wanna tell us about those? Yeah, sure. So uh, the one that comes to mind is a good friend of mine, Emily Montero. Her family's selling their grandparents' house this was probably three or four years ago. She tells me, I, we got all these bikes. You could come and you can use them in the rental shop. Always scares me. You never know. She starts sending me pictures. And on one picture, I see a leather saddle. That's all I can see. And I tell her, I'll be right over. So I come over there and it's all bikes in different arrays, usability. And, and her mother's there with her. And I dig out and find this 59 Schwinn Cruiser. And the reason I know it was 59, it's had a serial number. I was able to look it up. So her and her mother look at me teary-eyed a little. That's the bike you came for? Yeah. That was grandpa's ride. And we called it the truck. And they were just so happy that I wanted to keep it going. So I bring it back here. Really only needed new tires. Had a missing spoke, but the, the rim was true. And it had patina. Not so much rust, but patina. It had the... the cover, fenders, just, and rode like unbelievable. I think I might've put a new seat on it. But anyhow, a good friend of Emily and mine, Zach, who owns Chef Wood Company on, on Chappie, he and uh, another young lady who owns Sea Legs, uh, Grace Romanowski, were getting married, and Emily's Grace's roommate in college. So I come up with this brilliant idea, because Zach's a big biker, to give him this beautiful specimen and put their different logos of their shops on it. And his logo was round and fit right in the, the Schwinn, the S on the chain guard. And Emily, again, teary-eyed. Oh my God, what a great, this is fantastic. And that's probably three or four years ago. And still to this day, I go to Zach's shop over in Chaffee and there sits the bike. He drives it every day to go to get the mail and comes back, just repurposed a bike that, you know, is. 64 years old, still on the road. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So your shop, this is a historic building too, right? It is. How, it old, is. how old is the shop? The shop's 30 years old. The building was redone six years ago. How, how old was the original construction? Uh, I think 1910. Wow. In fact, the woman who uh, owned part of the hotel next to us and then where the Atlantic is on the water, it used to be called the Navigator. Her and her husband owned it. So one day I saw her, Mrs. Young was her name. I saw her rummaging around and she looks at me and she goes, this is the house I grew up in, meaning the shop. And she walked in, she goes, yep, that was my bedroom right there. Yeah, so there's there's been some fun stuff like that. So lots of memories, lots of history in the yeah. place. How about the uh, bike that you have hanging in the window? Oh, the, Sch the Schwinn Stingray Suicide Shifter. 
Uh, and what what is that for people who don't know? Because it's not really suicide as yeah. much as it is. <laughs> suicide shifter means if you're a, 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 a if you come off it, it sticks right up between In your Netherlands. Spot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's why they call it suicide shifter. But it's a five speed. Again, it has a serial number, so I know it was it was made in sixty October '68 in Chicago, actually. So a young lady, a client down the street, owns a house on, on North Water. We're on South South Water, and she kept coming by and saying she had a bike for me. Hey, I got a bike for you. And when people say that, you're thinking the worst. Yeah, you're thinking it's, like it's a department store or it's rusted out yeah. or it's thousand different things. Anchor. And yeah, right. It should be going into the ocean. But she shows up with this pristine, just needs a little bit of love. I believe it's a pea picker, Stingray. And uh, I told her I couldn't couldn't keep it because it's worth thousands of dollars on, on an open market. And she was like, no, no, my brother passed. It was his bike. It's just sitting in the garage collecting dust. We want you to have it. So we, when we read to the building, we found the spot for it right in the front window hangs. So people go by all the time and come in and ask about it. But... Uh, this woman walks by the shop every morning and um, looks in, so happy. And I and I tell people they they come in and off me off me you know price for it. I'm just a caretaker. It's it's her bike, her family's bike. And when she has a grandchild, that grandchild will be riding a pea picker suicide <laughs> shifter stingray around Agertown, and, and I'll be happy about that. I know some of the people are going to start debating about the values and stuff like that. But to, to be honest, this this is super clean. Like super, super clean, yeah. the the saddle on it is really? one of the cleanest saddles I've seen. Yeah, and the grips, as you know, all original stuff. And I have the original tire; it has a tear in it. But I know I can get a, a slick now, but at, at the time I didn't. But I wanted to keep it there for uh, posterity. But yeah, it's and, and again, you're in the bike world. You know, the bike's worth as much as someone off. Right. So, it's, if it's a memory to somebody, yeah. it's they're willing to yeah. pay up for it, especially when it's for them. Yeah. And even for resale, sometimes people know somebody who's looking for one and yeah. they know they can make a margin on it or something. But yeah. yeah. No, I think it's good. I love that she walks by and still sees it and it yeah. brings her a smile. Yeah. 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 Any other historical bikes that you found that surprised you? I got a Rutledge one day. Guy brought it in and his he wanted me to resell it for him, which I did, and I, I shouldn't have. I should have kept it. And he uh, selling his mother's home here. His mother brought it over from Ireland. Had the metal handbrakes, you know, the metal rod handbrakes. Had the Rutledge signal uh, of the which was pre Schwinn, I think, of the duck cut into the uh, crank. So it's had here for a few years and I think I sold it for 150 and I never should have done it. But, you know, as you know, there's limited amount of space that <laughs> can only do so much. So, yeah. Well, if people want to come check out your shop and see the bike hanging in the window and, and the other bikes that you have, where would they come and find you? So we're on 8 South Water Street. Again, in Agritown, Massachusetts. Right now, it's early April, so we're uh, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 4. And then come May, it's uh, go time, seven days a week. And we'll be here seven days a week through October. And then we start to slow down a little and kind of kick back. But yeah, yeah. Wheelhappybicycles.com is our website. Just redid it, still working on it. And then uh, we do Instagram, which is wheelhappybikes.com. All right.
Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks, Tom. I don't want to lose a single listener because they didn't check their bike before a ride. So our on-running PSA public service announcement on the Bike Karma Bicycle Stories podcast is the ABC Quick Check. When one of the greatest mechanics in the world wants to do the ABC Quick Check but then changes the letter from ABC to M, you just go ahead and let them. Hello, Calvin Jones here. I want to do a check with you that some people call the ABC. Okay, can I change this up a little bit? Forget the ABC. Think of the letter M. Let's start at the bottom, right M. That's your front wheel. Is that skewer tight? Come up the line. The M goes up to the handlebars between your tire. Give it a squeeze. Is there air in it? The M at the top there. Now we're at the bars. That's the peak there. Squeeze the brakes. Wiggle the bars. That's good. The M goes down to the bottom bracket, your cranks. Is your chain oiled, right? Is your crank tight? Is that good? The chain's all lubed. Where does the M go? Up again. We're drawing the letter M to the saddle. Wiggle it. Is it tight? Is it straight? That's great. The M finishes by going down to the rear hub. Is that skewer tight? Oh, hey, you passed the tire. Did you squeeze it? That's your M. From the hub up then down, then up, and then down. That is going to save you check each time. Have a fun ride with Bike Karma. Calvin Jones, out. Now it's time for the mid-roll gratitudes where we give thanks to the people listening to and supporting the show. One of the easiest free ways to support the show is to share or follow us online. Our main hosting site is Podbean. So while you can listen to us on hundreds of different places, and all of that does help too, I'd like to especially thank these people for following on Podbean. BBGBDZOOV, thank you. Christina Thompson, thanks a lot. pbga 3022D6. Thanks. Jam Toothy. Thank you for following. McCorzak Zek. Walkover91. Gears and Beers. Thanks a lot for following on Podbean. Joe Whittle. Thanks for clicking like on the episode that you were listening to. And King Louie74. Thank you so much for the very thoughtful review that you left on iTunes. Sharing, liking, telling a friend. All those are really simple ways to help the show and greatly appreciated. If you'd like to go one step beyond that, you can get a free sticker pack just to share around. It's yours for the asking for free. Please be responsible and tactful when you put the stickers out into the world, preferably in places where there already are stickers. Please don't put stickers on trees or sticker bomb nature trails. Don't put them on police cars or your neighbor's dog. We don't want to create animosity like the lady who left a bad review, not because of the show, but because she felt somebody littered with them. We just want to tactfully and tastefully let people know about the show. So put them on your water bottles, share them with your friends. And if there's a place like we have, Eli Cannon's in Middletown, where the front door has tons of stickers all over it, I think it'd be okay to put them in some place like that. 
So if that sounds good, email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com, bikekarmaguy at gmail.com, and I will send you a free pack of stickers anywhere in the world. Thanks a lot to Teresita Crum from Instagram. She won the t-shirt contest by identifying the skit from the last comedy episode that was a repeat from a previous comedy episode. So your t-shirt is on the way. Hopefully it's already gotten there, but if it hasn't, it's on the way. If you'd like to go even further and help the show, an easy way to do that is by supporting the show on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help pay for the cost of the show. I treat it as like a gift from you to me to help buy stuff that we need to take care of the show. When I order stickers, when I pay for the subscriptions and the different types of software that I need, I'm hoping to someday break even. That's the goal so I can use all my allowance to buy bike parts instead. This is labor of love, not a business. So if you like the stories that I'm sending out there, consider supporting. You can stop Patreon at any time you like. And if you prefer to give just a one-time gift, you can DM me and I will let you know my PayPal. So thanks to all my Patreons and all the folks who have helped financially support the show. Thanks for anybody who's waiting for the story in the queue. I try to bake a little bit of love into every episode. And if you know somebody with a really good bicycle story, like something really weird or really funny, or just something that blew your mind, or you have a product or a business that you think might be a good fit for the show, or you just have some suggestions, you can email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. No mid-roll thank you would be complete without thanking Fred Thomas. Fred is a longtime supporter of the show who owns a couple of different bicycle businesses. First one is the Frame and Wheel. Get more time, space, and cash by having Fred do all the pain in the tookest things to get your bike parts, accessories, and whole bicycles sold. Fred photographs, lists, researches, deals with all the sketchy people out there, and does everything he can to get top dollar for your quality used bicycles, parts, and accessories. Got a ton of new old stock? Not a problem. Fred's worked with bicycle shops and distributors who've had to liquidate. He takes his cut, of course, but he also does all the headache work. Packing, shipping, all you gotta do is get it to him and then sit back and wait for your check to come. When you support Fred at the Frame and Wheel and 80 Bikes, you're helping a strong advocate in the bicycle community. Fred's had a long running TV show that's now on YouTube and he's also resurrected his favorite brand of bike. Fred used to race AD bikes back in the day, and when he found that AD bikes was up for sale, he decided to resurrect and modernize the brand. Everybody says if you have to have one bicycle, you should probably have a gravel bike. You could slap road tires onto it, or you could put thicker tires onto it to do a variety of different types of terrain. Fred has some great options for this, but one of them is the Keys Steel Frame. This frame is made in the United States with oversized Columbus tubing. It's heirloom quality. If you hate the throwaway culture, buying a brand new steel gravel frame is a punch in the eye to waste. Contact Fred and talk to him about all the different setups that you could do with this. Instead of buying something off the rack, Fred can go through the specs with you one at a time to make sure that that AD bike is exactly what you want. Also, if you sell your stuff through the frame and wheel, you can then apply those proceeds towards the cost of a brand new AD bike. So contact Fred at either the frame and wheel or AD bikes. Now back to the show. Oh, hey, you want to come with me to a swap meet? Let's go. 
Taryn's been coming to bike swap meets with me since he was six. I took him and his sisters up to the legendary swap meet up in Munson, Massachusetts back before it was no more. And they remember running around this castle-like city hall public building, which had many secret hidden tunnels and caverns, and it looked very theatrical and very castle-like. But the other big swap we used to go to back in the day was the Dudley Swap. A gentleman named Mike, who you know as Bike Mike from a previous episode, used to own an old factory up in Dudley, Massachusetts. Massachusetts that had a flea market in it called the Dudley Do-Right Flea Market and periodically he would have a bicycle swap meet there for years. Unfortunately the building got condemned but he moved it to another factory a little farther south in Connecticut but the new location we've never been inside the factory it's always been around the outside of the factory and that's about an hour away from us. So pretend you're in the car driving with me and Taryn. All right, Tara, we're about to go to a bike swap meet. We've been doing this since you were a little kid. What's your favorite thing about bike swap meets? Bikes. We were looking for spending time with your dad. We're looking for that. Number one answer on the board. Spending time with your dad. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> This bicycle swap meet was in early April, and when we left, it was getting close to 50, and then we crossed a couple snow lines, and as we got out of the truck, we realized how friggin' cold it was. But luckily, you were smart enough to bring a jacket. <laughs> Old factories are cool, but a little janky. I think it was gonna be funny as if this bridge collapses. <laughs> you should play a game where you try to sneak in words to conversations. Oh, yeah? Okay. Peanut butter. I think it's still impossible, though. Gotta get four more. As we're on the perimeter walking up, Taryn usually tries to get to play a game, like trying to get somebody to say peanut butter in a conversation, or challenges me to trade up from a specific item to a specific item. We're channeling and using everything we've ever learned on American Pickers. And I gotta admit, the Terran is an excellent wingman at these events. As you finally get up to the first table, you try and put your poker face on. I notice a very streamlined Aegis road bike. That's the brand Fred Thomas brought for a little while. I know the guy who bought that company. Oh, in Maine? Yeah. I, 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 I'm trying to remember the name. Fred Thomas. Oh, like, don't it switch to a name similar to Aegis, Ar Argus, or, or uh, when they when they when they were closing up? Yeah, because they still I think they're still producing. Not on Aegis though. Yeah, they switched Pots, the dropouts. Right. Yep. Not an expensive bike. Too big for me. <laughs> it's got it got some battle scars from just getting it in and out of the truck the last yeah. couple shows I went to. It's beautiful. Wheels are all, all tuned up. Everything, yeah, everything's there. It's got decent salsa, tie head post. I mean, the profile stem could yeah. probably be upgraded again. Chris has a table overflowing with boxes and the back of his pickup truck has some bikes in it. There's a few bikes lined up around the table too. I remember Chris from some previous shows. He's a straight shooter and he's got fair prices. He's also a nice guy. If you guys have a bicycle story you want to share, anything about a swap meet? Uh, older bike swaps. Laz Anderson in Boston. Yeah. The old Munson show. Yep. Laz Anderson was the greatest show ever. I started going 30 years ago with my brother Luke when I was still 
Do you mind if I record you? Oh, no. Talk oh, about no. Sure, my name's Chris. Just talking about bike stuff. Yeah, yeah. The love we all have. Yeah. Most of us. But the Lazzie Anderson shows were the best shows. I mean, I was in the downhill mountain biking back then, and I wasn't much of a road guy anymore, but I couldn't believe the real people who appreciate the old road bikes. They keep them in pristine condition. Absolutely. Bring them to a show, unbox them, set them up. They used to have trophies and awards, or you'd get a coupon, you know what I mean? And you get $10 off at the local shop. And the shows are great. I wish there was more of them. There's always a good turnout, but people don't tend to buy a lot. A lot mm-hmm. of them are here for specific items, you know what I mean? Specific bikes. What's your favorite little story that ever happened to you at a bike swap meet? At a swap meet? Hmm. Oh, probably uh, I bought a set of head carbon wheels two years ago in Fitchburg because everybody's upgrading to disc brakes now okay. on their bikes and they were rim only a couple hundred miles on them like more like a training set a couple hundred dollars wow. I, I brought them home cleaned them up and they're on my Merlin at my own so bike like thousand dollar wheels right oh probably twelve thirteen hundred dollars new and they're on my Merlin now at home nice uh, carbon wheels uh, the one of the good shows, it was more the Velodrome in Pennsylvania, Trexeltown. I went there and I, I got a lot of good track. Dis, I bought a disc, an ancient disc wheel, like one of Head's first disc wheels. And a couple hundred dollars, just need cleaning. That was, an, it was true. And now, of course, everything's glue-on tires are, are fading, fading away. And most of, most of the old, good, early stuff, track stuff, the road bike stuff, they finding tires. You can't find the quality tires that you used to to replace yeah. them to keep the bikes pristine. Yeah. But then with swaps, I mean, this is all my own stuff. I never worked at a shop or, or anything like that. These are just gradually bikes I acquire. Some bikes I get through jobs. I do construction. So, like, I got this bike from a customer. I fixed a chimney for him on the house, fixed a couple of stairs on the front of their house, and the gentleman's son went into the army, graduated high school, went in the military, and it's been sitting in his garage for a few years. It's beautiful. And he's like, I don't, I don't really have $800 on hand to pay you, but I can give you some money. And It's a newer mountain bike with disc. Dirt jumper, yeah. One of the myths is that you go to these shows and it's just old stuff. You see old stuff and then you see new stuff sprinkled into it. Yeah. Here, these shows, because a lot of guys coming from the city, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Boston, of course, Worcester, yeah. and they either work at shops or they're in their own group of friends yeah. who, you know, they need a pot for a bike or they're restoring an old bike. And I, I prefer rallies myself. I collect old rallies from the 70s, TI issues, stuff before 84. That was a kid, you know what I mean? I was seven when when the pros in the early 80s and the late 70s were out there. Was... Someday I'll go to Copic. I've been there twice now in the last, well, just I went to the last show before COVID, 40 years ago, and then everything was shut down, and then you hear, oh, they're going to have a show, then they don't have a show, they're going to have a show. And just recently, in the fall, I went my brother Louie. A lot, of, a lot of vendors, a lot of old, beautiful stuff. It was a buyer's market, but it was mostly shop guys. Shop guys, the few collectors are just there. They're not interested in stuff, you know what I mean? The lower end stuff that needs repair. They just strictly stick with the classic bike, pristine condition stuff they can acquire and hold on to. 
what would be your number one tip for a newbie, a civilian coming to one of these shows for the first time? Yeah. Bring money. Cash is king. Bring still. cash. Yeah, yeah, cash is definitely king. Or bring bike stuff that you don't have. A vendor spot's $25 for the day. Yeah. And bring parts you no longer need. A bike you may acquire that's too large or too small for you. A friend, you know, a friend's son's or daughter's bike that they grew out of, a husband and wife. Find paired bikes, like the older bikes, like my brother does. It's my brother Lou here, and he he's done every he does everything from 1800s right up to 70s. He does muscle bikes too. But he's he's a, a balloon tire bike since we were kids. That's what he basically got me in the riding. You know, go trying to compete more when I was young. I can never go pro, but but to compete in local stuff, it was a lot of crit races. It was worth it. There he is, my beautiful brother Lou. But he collects. He's got a huge collection. He just went and brought some of these bikes out. He had 500 bikes, all pre, oh, geez, I'd say pre-79 muscle bike stuff, balloon tire bikes. It's a passion. I mean, to I pay for storage. I have three storage units. I have two more at home that are still full. Of my all my own this is all my own stuff i acquired through jobs or a swap meet i'll find a bike that i uh, want to start tinkering with put back together how many bikes do you think you have bikes besides what i have here eh, not too many probably 15 of my own personal bikes and i have everywhere from uh, like i like raleigh ti raleigh i got bianchi's i got a couple of titanium merlins old from the 90s before they moved south mm -hmm. And yeah, I'd say probably 15 to 16 bikes. I got a couple of project bikes that are in pots right now. I'd like to say with storage, I live in a townhouse building. I got three small storage units a couple of blocks away that you got to pay through the... And I just keep my bike stuff, my bike stuff, camping, hiking gear in there for the winter. So I think this one's too small for me, but like how much are you asking for this, this bike here? I was asking four. See, that's said, totally, totally amazing deal. You know, like well, if you're looking bike. for... I if, mean, it's missing the, the cap to the shifter over there. Yeah. Something that can be acquired. But yeah, I try and keep them clean. So you it's a newer Bianchi touring 20, bike? Nine, yeah. Yeah. 2019-2020 frame. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And 400 bucks. Really clean looking. These are the it's a $900 bike that's three yeah. years old. These are some of the deals that could be had at these places. Oh, great deals. Great more deals. civilians walking around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, guys, with now everything goes through the last four or five years, BMX came back. Oh, yeah. And it's really huge. Some yeah. guys now, a couple of my friends are into uh, restoring the old early 90s, you know, early 90s mountain bikes, pre-suspension, pre-early full suspension stuff. And that's that's their passion because that's, I was already into the thing, you know, the scene 70s, 80s growing up. They're newer, like in the 90s, they were all BMX guys. And mountain bikes came out, and, there, and you know, there was only a few companies like the GTs and the Red Lines, you know, American bikes that came from the BMX genre. And they all switched to mountain bikes, and they all got rid of all their, BMW, their hutches and their Red Lines and their odd off the wall CW racing frames. And here it is now, I talked to them about it, and you go to shows, and BMX bikes are unbelievable money they gotta be crying yeah tears how many i wish i had every if i had every bike i ever owned i'd, I'd have way more than I, I could ever bring here <laughs> way more 
common misconception with collectibles is that they're gonna keep going up and up and up forever. But that's not how it plays out. A rough rule of thumb is when the age of those people who had these things when they were kids gets to the point where they have their most disposable income and they're getting nostalgic, that's when the market's gonna peak. So for balloon tire bikes, that market's probably already peaked. And some of the more common bikes are worth less than they were years ago. And that segment of the market was the hottest. But like Chris was saying, the new hottest market segment is BMX. And to some degree, early mountain bikes. Those kids who were riding BMX back in the 80s and 90s are really in the prime time of their earning potential where they have some expendable income. You know, if they're lucky. The guy who bought my 1978 Smokey and the Bandit BMX bike, he has three of them. He's younger than me, and I was eight when this bike came out. Incomplete, missing a few parts, it's a couple hundred bucks. But he had two complete ones and one that was incomplete. And with mine, he could use those parts to make mine a complete bike. Going from the way mine was to complete original, brings it from a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars or more. He sent me a picture later after I sold it to him of his collection. The dude has a Dukes of Hazards car, all kinds of muscle cars, and he says he tries to grab every Dukes of Hazard themed General Lee BMX bike that he can find. I have very eclectic bicycle taste. I can get excited just about any type of bicycle or bicycle part. So at a swap meet like this one, I'm looking for anything that basically sparks joy. And if it's in my wheelhouse and not sparking joy, I'm getting really good at walking away from it. The newbies, my first suggestion is if you appreciate the bikes, stick with one bike. If you're a Bianchi guy, I like Raleigh's, but I dabble in other. There's mm -hmm. the Colnago guys, the Pinarello guys. And everybody, if you stick with one bike, instead of switching parts, components, years that they made them, years that they didn't make them. It's better to stick with one, one company, basically, because you get better cooperation from the shops, but you get more knowledge from the old bikes, from the older, the older people you chat with who bring stuff. You, you, get the, you get their knowledge, and then you, know, you, you don't have to learn it from a magazine or, or you're Googling in it to, to get what's in new. But yeah, that's why I pretty much, I have, I have a bunch of my own bikes, like say my Merlin Bianchi. Uh, my time trial bike, a couple of tracks, but rally's always been my thing growing up. You know, the 70s, that TI, Team TI, they were, they were a blockbuster, a lot of champions. And then the 80s came along and Arrow came out. I just posted the other night uh, on my Facebook that then all this carbon, what makes a bike classic? And I mean, anything you can consider classic, a bike that's 10 years old. But classics, I'm like, no STI shifters when bikes were steel. You know, you crash the bike, you bent the rear stay or the rear dropout, they heat it, they tweak it back in the shape, you touch it up with some paint, and you get back, you know, you get back on it. But all the carbon stuff, I've seen, I've had a Trek Madone that broke in half the bottom bracket. $4,000 you had just invested where you could find a decent steel bike for a third of the money. I mean, at a race level, maybe not so much because everything's disc brakes, carbon, you know, 12-speed rear, rear cassettes. That's unheard of. It's unheard of. But as the stuff breaks, you know what I mean, and they have to replace it, they learn a good steel, old steel is real. They last forever if you take care of them. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, no. no I'll see you down in Wethersfield. Yeah. I'll have the you. wife and 
We're gonna bring, you know, bring lunch and bring some stuff. And yeah, and the ice cream shop will be open after oh, that. Oh, nice. Thanks a lot. All right, it's good talking. See you. Thank you. You too. It is cold. Since we're at the swap meet together, I'm going to give you some of my favorite tips. One is some people are just showing off their collections and you can tell pretty quickly who those are. Those people are interesting and you'll hear some cool stories and see some cool stuff, but you aren't going to buy anything from them that day. Another one of my favorite games is to play one of these things is not like the other and kind of just scan for things that don't belong within the collection. If that thing that's an oddball in someone's setup is something that actually sparks joy for you, try not to show it too much and you might get a deal on it like buying a BMX part off of an old Schwinn guy. We're buying an old Raleigh service manual off of somebody who has mostly balloon tire bikes stuff. This day I ended up getting a really nice bench grinder. The cord was a little wonky, so I got it for 10 bucks. Some people like the wheeling and dealing, others don't. Just flow within your comfort level and don't be afraid to walk away from something. My name is J.D. Bilitowicz. I was asking what your favorite bike story is or what's your favorite thing that happens at a bike swap meet. As a vendor, it's probably the days where I actually don't buy anything and I only sell things. Now, has that ever happened? I don't think so. <laughs> there we go. Now I know you're an honest guy. You know, I, I don't think I'm in the negatives today, but I could be, you know. We'll I think, see. I think any of us could go down that slope quite easily. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. In general, I do best with people who like to see their stuff get moved on to somebody who really likes it. Because I'm the same way when I'm selling. If someone's truly got the sparkle in his or her eyes for an item, you don't mind being a little softer on the negotiation. Because gosh darn it, you just connected as human beings who like the same thing turned a corner this day and saw Rob from Bike New London, one of the community bike shops, just out there doing the right thing, trying to get as many people on bikes as who want to. He agreed to share a quick little story and I learned something about his collection I never knew before. Sure, hi, I'm Rob Barice. I run uh, Bike New London, it's a community bike shop in New London, Connecticut. But I'm also a Stingray nut. I used to collect anything with a Schwinn tag on it. And I've, over the years, my collection's gotten too big, I've kind of narrowed things down. So now I only collect 1966 Stingrays. And the last one that I picked up, as it turned out, was the exact same, built on the exact same day as my first one. They were both built in January of 66. And uh, when I looked up the serial numbers, they came out to the same exact day. So I had to have that one. That, that's incredible. So some people collect bikes from certain years, and I think that that's understandable to anybody, but how do you tell what month these bikes were made? Well, the Schwinn serial number system would always give you the exact date the month and year the frame was built. Some years you can actually track it down to the exact day and some of them it's a range of days or just a month. So using that information you can determine how old this, this Stingray actually is. Wow. That's cool. So let's give a shout out to Bike New London. You do amazing work down there. You want to tell people about that just for a minute? Sure, we're happy to. Yeah, so we're a, a nonprofit community based bicycle shop. We do repairs, we do assembly of bikes uh, for people in the community. We're all volunteer shop, total grassroots effort. Everybody everybody who works at the shop is a volunteer. And we, uh, we've been serving in our current location, we've been serving the community for uh, three years. and 
before that we had a, a previous location in New London for five years and we've been doing bicycle advocacy work since 2009 including uh, getting bike lanes built in the city and working on other bike safety issues with the with the city police and public works. You, you're part of the network. You Bicycle in Hartford, Bike New Britain, and then you know Bike New London. Right. There's also uh, you can't forget uh, Bradley Street Bradley Bike Street Co, Co. Uh, yep. in New Haven. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm afraid I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a few others, yeah. but uh, we're, we're we're proud to be part of that network of, of bicycle co-ops in Connecticut. Thanks a lot. Hope to see you at Weathersfield. All right. Thanks. We'll see you there. So you want to know a secret? I'm kind of a purist with bikes. I'm not really super excited about motorcycles, but when I hear the sound of a Wizard motor, I'm cool with it. This was a kit motor that attached bicycles from the, I believe the 40s and 50s. While I prefer to pedal, these motors did get up to like 100 miles per gallon, which was pretty cool. It's the sound of a wizard motor. You want to talk about it on the podcast? <laughs> So, 1947, uh, Weezer made it for Schwinn, and um, it's all original motor, and it sounds good. Yeah, it does. 1947, huh? Wow. Thank you. So we walked around handing out stickers for the podcast and flyers for the Weathersfield swap meet. And I bought the bench grinder. I got a really cool sign. Not the new brand Soma, but the old brand Soma bicycles back from the 70s. I bought a Le Mans right before Trek stopped selling them and it got stolen. And I was a bit devastated and I just got off of road cycling for a little while and I went to a yard sale at a church and bought this old Soma Olympian 10-speed bike. Put some fresh Schwab tires onto it and fell in love with riding on the road again. So that was the sign that would have like hung in an old bicycle shop from the 70s. Got an autographed picture of Eddie Merckx. Yes, I believe the autograph because I know the guy explained the story. Wasn't that interesting, but it was from a trade show that he met Eddie Merckx at. Got a bunch of little parts, no big bikes. But my favorite thing was hanging out with Taryn. It's nice to have your kids come and hang out with you with things that you're interested in. I'm shocked and surprised and overjoyed every time he actually wakes up to go with me. But when we got back in the car this time, we were both frozen to the bone. Alright, we're on our way back. We just got in the car after being out at the swap meet. For some reason, it's like 50 degrees in Weathersfield and up here it's like 32 degrees with wind. Our hands are freezing. Taryn, any thoughts? Yeah, it's cold here. Warm in Weathersfield, my hands are cold. What was the chief purchase today that you thought was the best deal? The best deal I got. You're the one who pointed out the signs. You told me about it. Yeah, I said the Soba. Oh my God, I'm sick. The Soba sign. What was the coolest thing we saw? Uh, it's like a motorcycle. The Wizard? To be fair, we were both shivering and Taryn had a cold. That Bianchi? 
cool gray one. That was yeah. nice. That was that was a nice bike. If I didn't have a bike, yeah, and I was that height, I would that would have been um, century. What else? There was this really nice. You missed it because you were talking to someone, but what I miss? All right. There was a a rose pink lotus frame. It was just really pretty, really well made. Like it's the first bike I. For a while, I seen and I like I was like feeling the lines and the wells, and it was like the the crown thing on the top too. It was cool. Some guy bought it right as we were passing by. Before I can show you, cause you were doing all sorts of stuff. But yeah. Was there any city bike there that you were like, oh, I would I would like to take that with me to college? Not today. But I was looking. Holding out for the SC bike official. Possibly. All right. We've been going to these swap meets for like over 10 years now. Any thoughts looking back on it all? Getting you up crack ass in the morning and then dragging you off. Brought your pillow as usual. It's good. And then we're up and then we're back and then it's we're back by 12 usually. Yeah, the uh, pillow is necessary for everything. And, uh, it's been fun. Hopefully it's not it. Do you think we're going to continue to do this, Not maybe not as often, but do you think we're going to continue to do this even as you're an adult? I'm actually going to leave you. I was planning on never talking to you again. God damn it. Yeah. Where does that boy get his sense of humor from? Well, I hope you liked coming to a bicycle swap meet with us. While some things can get quite pricey, I can tell you that most people are really just happy to keep things out of the waste stream. Every saved part is a hope that that'll get rolling again. Thanks for coming along with me on another ride of the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's stories. There's so many things in the world trying to divide us right now. It's nice to know we can share a smile or two about bicycles. As always, want to thank Keller Glass and the band Mobjack. They did our opening and closing theme music, which I love, and Keller gave us permission to use it. So thank you very much, Keller. If you'd like to check out his music, go to kellerglass.com. All the other music in the show is royalty-free, attribute-free, but we appreciate those musicians as well, so thank you very much. This episode took longer than I wanted it to. As you know, my day job is as a science teacher, and I love my job, but it was keeping me quite busy this first few weeks. And we're almost into October. October is my birthday month, and I'm going to give myself a present, so the next episode will come out in November. I'm hoping it'll be November 1st, but giving myself the month off will give me a chance to recoup, enjoy the waning daylight in the Northern Hemisphere, and maybe, maybe get ahead. So look for the next episode to drop sometime around November 1st. Apart from the music, the Bike Karma podcast is the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. All rights, including copyrights, trademarks, and all of that stuff, is asserted and reserved. If you've got a story for me, an idea, some feedback, or if you'd like a free set of stickers to place responsibly, you can email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com or DM me on any of the social medias. I have some incredible stories lined up in the queue, including a guy who doesn't just paint while he rides his bicycle. 
he also plays music. Like, makes his own music. He's a multitasking marvel. Until then, thanks to everybody who shared a story or listened this time. Until next time, keep it wheel. And so-